Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Streaming box technology and business rundown! Welcome to the Scream Box Technology and Business Rundown Podcast. Today we are talking with Andre Polzny, who is the developer evangelist at content.ai, a large headless CMS platform. Welcome, Andre. Uh, hello, guys. Um, people's backgrounds are really important in the context of any position that they hold. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about your background in the development industry and how it kind of prepared you to be a developer evangelist at content. Sure. So I started uh, my career as a .NET developer uh, for a digital agency based in Austria. Um, back then I was doing uh, .NET, some of the front end uh, uh, as well, because the project demanded it. Um, but it was only, uh, I guess, two years uh, later when I joined Kentico, uh, because I used to work with Kentico in the past. Um, so I joined Kentico, a traditional CMS vendor, uh, to work uh, as a consultant in the customer success department. Um, as uh, I discovered that I can talk to both business users and developers. So it was a unique position mm -hmm. for me to actually bridge these two together. Um, and I spent uh, over four years, uh, you know, training uh, developers, training business users, helping everyone to use the product to its full potential. Um, and after four years, uh, I figured that uh, I wanted to focus more on the developer side. And I also wanted to gather their feedback and learn how they use the system and bring it back to the product teams. Um, to improve the product. So uh, I switched to a developer evangelism role. And uh, uh, at uh, that time, uh, Kentico was also um, kind of splitting between the two products. So the traditional CMS was actually renamed to Experience and uh, the, the new uh, headless CMS that uh, was just being developed was named uh, Content. And uh, I started working as a developer evangelist for the Content division. So a full featured uh, headless CMS built for cloud. So in this role as developer evangelist, what is it that you enjoy about that role? Uh, I always hated uh, monotonous tasks. Um, like when, uh, when I was working as a developer, uh, I was afraid to look uh, in Jira to see one task that I would be working on the whole day. Uh, I always uh, wanted a bit of uh, a variety and a bit of stress. Um, hence the consulting position. But uh, uh, when, I, when I joined the developer evangelism, um, it's, uh, it's really, uh, you're responsible for a lot of things. Yeah. You have to, uh, uh, train developers how to use the system. You have to gather their feedback. Um, you have to, you know, tell the world what your product does and, uh, what is, how it is better than, than other, uh, CMSs. So it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of things in one. Um, and uh, that's, I guess what I enjoy the most about it. Maybe you can give a kind of a simple, concise explanation of what exactly is headless CMS. So I wish there was uh, just one sentence that I could say, um, but let's let's try it. Yeah, um, headless CMS is a storage for a structured content, uh, and headless actually means that there is no uh, visual representation of the content. So the what it used to be in the past is that a traditional CMS was both the editing experience or editing platform for editors to manage content. 
um, and the live site where the content was actually displayed for the whole internet to see. Uh, Headless CMS is uh, kind of decoupling that and it focuses on the best editing experience on content. It focuses on structuring content in the right way. So it enables content reuse and uh, it um, uh, you can deliver or it delivers the content to your application regardless of what it is. If it's a website, if it's a mobile app, if it's anything else, um, it delivers the content via an API. When you're using a, a CMS system like content, does it really matter what your developer experience is? I mean, if you came to uh, content uh, as a .NET uh, developer, would you have a different experience with it than if you came as a JavaScript developer or some mm -hmm. other type of developer, like a Python developer? So there are two sides to every headless CMS story. Uh, first one is uh, the content editing experience, right? That's the business users that are coming in, creating content, uh, they are collaborating, they are using workflows and, and everything, uh, you know, translators that are translating content and, and so on. And then there's another story, another card um, for developers. And developers are caring about totally different things than editors. Uh, they want uh, the APIs to be uh, understandable, to be plain, to be always available, to be fast. Um, and of course, they want to have the best tooling possible for their uh, specific platforms. And uh, as uh, you know, every headless CMS vendor tells you it doesn't matter where you consume the API because it's an API, right? You can uh, get the content anywhere that is able um, to create HTTP requests. But the truth is um, the tooling is, is really important for developers because it um, uh, saves you time uh, for things like a rich text resolution for you know, complicated, complicated content queries. Um, so in those cases, you need to have an SDK for the platform that you're developing in. Um, if you're a .NET developer or if you're a JavaScript developer, if you're a Java developer, there is a lot of those developers. So I would say um, maybe it's a brave statement, but I think that uh, all of the headless CMSs on the market now have SDKs or other toolings for these platforms. Um, so as a developer for these platforms, you should be pretty well covered. So if... If a company or a group of developers or a startup or something is looking at building a website for themselves or building some kind of digital product, why would they consider headless CMS over, say, a traditional CMS platform? What, 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 what makes headless CMS so interesting? Because five years ago, Nobody was talking about headless CMS, and now everybody's talking about it. What what changed? Why why is headless CMS rising in popularity so quickly? Because there there was a technology shift. Like if you're, uh, but let's let's start with uh, with the start of your question. Like if you're a very small team, uh, if you're uh, let's say a local business that wants to create a website, um, if you want if if you're not experienced in creating websites and you want your website to be up and ready quickly then uh, nothing changed for you there. Like uh, WordPress is probably the best choice for you because you can create a website, have it up uh, by the end of the day, and uh, you don't need to solve anything. But if you're a tech company, if you're a startup, if you, if you know that um, you're going to be working on a website, you're going to be working on a mobile app, you're going to want to send your data to Facebook ads or Google ads or any other channel that, that uh, you can think of, uh, 
there is one aspect of headless CMSs that greatly helps you, um, you know, manage and orchestrate that content, and that is content reviews. Uh, headless CMS actually forces you into structuring your content. Um, it it doesn't it doesn't allow you. Um, well, it, it does in certain ways, but it's not advised um, to create content in an unstructured way. Um, and as a result, uh, when you want to change something, uh, be it your your name, like we've seen Facebook change its name to Meta. Um, if you had to do a rebranding like that, you would just do it in a single place. Yeah. Um, but the thing that changed in the past five years is that we've seen a rise of Jamstack. Uh, Jamstack static sites, uh, you actually rebuild the whole website ahead of time. You know, that's the main point of, uh, of Jamstack. Uh, was a really uh, technology shift and it's interested a lot of developers. Developers were really happy um, about the developer experience because it was built by developers. The, the, the tools um, uh, in the start of Jamstack era were built by uh, developers for developers. And uh, they always needed a place where they can store content. It started with markdown files and the tool would just take all the markdown files, let's say those were blog posts or products, uh, and it would turn them and generate pages based on those files. Um, but as uh, um, the tools wanted to grow more, um, because the developer experience is good to a certain point, but if you want the tool to uh, grow and be used more widely on the internet, you need to add the editors into the mix uh, because there needs to be someone who creates the actual content. And editors, uh, they are not really happy creating uh, content in markdown files or doing commits into GitHub repositories and so on. So for those, you need a headless CMS. Of course, even developers, like if you are managing multiple sites, uh, you don't want to go into uh, markdown files every single time you need a change but you can actually uh, value the nice UI that uh, is available to you as well. Um, so I think that's uh, that was the, the big reason why uh, headless CMSs are currently on the rise because Jamstack, Jamstack solved a lot of problems for, uh, let's say, small, smaller to mid companies. Now, of course, we see the evaluation or, or the evolution of the tools as they try to support more enterprise features, um, same as uh, the headless CMSs. Um, so I think that um, the the main reasons why all of this started to be widely uh, accepted and used is that it solved the major pain points of traditional CMSs. And that, that traditionally was the maintenance. It was the hot fixing. It was the security concerns. It was uh, many other things, you know, that, uh, that you needed to actually have teams to maintain all of that. And as we saw these things move into cloud a bit, I think this is just the next stage. And now you just need to pay a certain amount of money based on the usage rather than to pay a lot of money upfront for licenses, for uh, you know, scaling of servers. Um, that was a big part of uh, my consulting work. I was helping clients to actually estimate what kind of server power they will need for their websites without actually knowing anything about their websites. So that was kind of fun. Uh, but all of these problems just went away uh, because now you don't need a big IT department to handle all of that because we have Jamstack that uh, greatly uh, improved all of that on the presentational side. So that's the head of the website. And we have headless CMSs that did the same for the backend side, for the, the editing you know, management. 
Is Jamstack the most efficient or does it really matter from efficiency? And maybe you can give some examples of some of the front ends that work well with headless CMS. Right. Um, so Jamstack is just a, a way of building websites. Yeah, It's not tied mm-hmm. to any specific technology. Like you can build, it's just a, a way of building sites that you right, pre-build. Structure. Yeah, you pre-build the whole website ahead of time. And then when, you're, um, when your visitors actually look at the site, you can serve it as static files from any CDN. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the main uh, point of Jamstack. Um, but it can be built with uh, JavaScript. It can be built with .NET. can be built with uh, PHP. It, it doesn't really put too many requirements on the platform of your choice because the only thing you need to output are the HTML files. Uh, of course, JavaScript is the most popular because JavaScript itself has a very um, uh, easy learning curve. Uh, it's really mm-hmm. easy to get up to speed. Um, if you look at uh, frameworks like Gatsby, Next.js, and so on, they have starters that you can just get to your local station by typing npm, uh, or not npm, but uh, you know, you just clone the, the starter from GitHub. And you run npm i, you run npm start, and you have the website uh, in front of you, and you can start changing the content. Yeah, so you're not caught up in details, and it's it's really quick from zero to actually having your website ready almost for for publishing. Uh, so that's mm-hmm. uh, I think that's the reason why JavaScript is so popular these days because a lot of beginners are able to now get into tech and uh, and uh, learn very quickly how to build these sites and get themselves maybe employed as uh, as front end uh, developers and get better very quickly. Um, mm-hmm. But um, as we see a lot of um, uh, JavaScript based Jamstack uh, sites um, and it doesn't have to be Jamstack even yeah it can be uh, an app like Facebook. Uh, based on React, yeah. Um, so those uh, uh, like the SDKs that are getting the content from the CMSs, they can also be used on client side, right? Mm-hmm. So you can build a, a full featured uh, client side app with uh, content as well. So we see a lot of those, um, but we see uh, a lot of .NET apps actually um, as well, because then when you look at Jamstack, it uh, pre-builds everything, then you can put it to CDN. But when you look at .NET, it doesn't go this way. But as you generate the pages, you can definitely set up caching to do pretty much the same thing. Yeah, when a page is generated, you can still store it in the cache, um, and then the website is very performant. Yeah, very comparable to Jamstack actually. So mm-hmm. uh, you can also build the very fast sites with .NET, and we see a lot of uh, downloads on the on the .NET SDK. So a lot of people are are working with that. Um, and then, of course, you have other channels than websites. Um, mobile apps, uh, Java is, uh, is very used there. If you're a Flutter developer, you could still use CMS, headless CMS without yeah. any problem. And that is the great thing. Like If you're using Flutter for uh, your development, you can use the same content that your colleague is using for the website development with JavaScript. And uh, your other colleague is using, uh, I don't know, Figma, you know, to, to build the designs and using still the same content from the same CMS. So that's the, that's the greatest power of the headless CMS. And something that you potentially could do with traditional, but it would be very hard to implement. Is there some kind of like checklist you could say, okay, think about this, 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 to, to figure out whether headless CMS is really the, the direction you want to go? Yeah, there's multiple approaches. Uh, and we could probably be here a whole day, you know, uh, thinking about when uh, headless CMS would be a good choice. 
Um, there is actually a great article that uh, I can link you to. Uh, I can share the link with you uh, after the podcast that actually okay. um, shows five different frameworks that uh, help you evaluate if your client is a good fit for a headless CMS. Um, it's um, uh, I'm, I'm a bit biased here because um, all of my new projects, they start with a headless CMS because um, it's really easy to store the content. Like in the past, uh, a lot of the projects that at least I was doing started with uh, MySQL because I was doing a lot of PHP. Uh, and I always started in uh, in the database defining the, the data model for my app. And now with headless CMSs, I don't need to do that because I can start quickly with the CMS, just click through the, a few content types and start working uh, on what it actually matters, you know, the app implementation. So um, I would say depending on uh, what you want from your project and uh, what your uh, teams want. Um, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's about the editor experience, um, depending on how many editors you have, uh, what kind of experience they have. Um, if, if they were working with WordPress before, um, all of these, you know, kind of come into the mix. And then it's about mm -hmm. the developers, because right now, when you look at traditional CMSs like Sitecore or, uh, even our experience, uh, product, um, it's, uh, tied to a specific platform. It's tied to .NET or uh, other platforms of other CMSs. And uh, it might be easier for you these days to get a developer for uh, JavaScript, for React, or for Vue. Um, and in those cases, uh, it might actually be the deciding factor uh, of uh, your mm -hmm. tech stack that you're going to use for the next project. Um, and developers actually these days, they want to use React. They want to use uh, JavaScript. Uh, they are happy because the developer experience is great. Uh, when you're facing a task, um, it's that there's a very high chance that uh, there's going to be an NPM package that, you know, solves the task for you. Um, mm -hmm. So that uh, alone can be a deciding factor. Um, and of course, then it depends on what your project actually needs. Uh, if you're working on a project that only displays some content, contact details and so on, you could go with WordPress. But if uh, you have a system that is integrated with a CRM that is integrated with an e-commerce platform that uh, is integrated with a payment gateway that needs to send out emails, that needs to send out push notifications, you know, uh, all of these things, then you might want to use the best of breed solution for each of those tasks. And um, uh, when, as you're transitioning, maybe you're transitioning from a traditional system. Um, in that case, uh, because you want to have the cloud uh, expenses under control, in those cases, you want to go best of breed for each of these systems um, and in those cases, headless CMS can be a very uh, great option. So, right. yeah, I think uh, uh, that would be the, the easiest way how I can uh, talk about it. But mainly mm -hmm. it's about, uh, I would say mainly it's about the digital maturity of your client or of you as uh, uh, if, if you want to build it, build it yourself and uh, how you look in the future. Because definitely structured content is going to have your back in the future. Is there some experience or some situation that definitely won't work well with headless CMS? Mm, a good uh, example would be uh, for, let's say, middle-sized companies that uh, want a lot of features and they don't want to look for different vendors. Like um, if you want to go into the microservices um, and you want to go with your whole business, um, it takes a lot of knowledge to uh, make a good choices. Um, so either you can go to a digital agency that will probably solve this problem for you, 
Um, or if you don't want to uh, do a lot of decisions uh, and potentially get burned, uh, because it's not that easy to orient now in, in the microservices space, then you might as well go with a traditional CMS, because then uh, the, the fact that you have all in one, all the features in one, may be a very good benefit, because you, pay, you know what you're going to pay uh, upfront. Mm -hmm. You know, um, because if you take a, a standard traditional CMS, you put it into, uh, let's say, Microsoft Azure, um, because you, you don't have any traffic spikes, uh, you're happy with the performance of the system there, um, then it can be a very good choice for you because you can estimate the, the costs and uh, it's a very good chance that the system is going to work for you well. Um, but then if you grow too quickly uh, or you get the traffic spikes because you have an ad in a television, then you know it, it, you may start to overgrow uh, the, the system as a whole. But it can definitely be a good starting point. Is there a particular type of content that best fits CMS or headless CMS systems? Or are headless CMS systems completely independent of content? It doesn't matter what type of content you're, you're trying to push through the system. So it depends on what kind of content you uh, have in mind. Uh, I have seen a lot of things. Uh, I have seen uh, uh, companies that uh, were using the VR models uh, in, that they were stored in uh, our headless CMSs. We're using that to, uh, I think it was a project where they sold uh, or where they were selling um, art items uh, through their mm -hmm. website and they had actually the models stored in content. Um, I think it depends on your content model, but uh, uh, of course, if you want to store uh, large videos uh, uh, or large audio files, large binary things, then there are better platforms. And we actually advise to that to clients. Like if you want to store these things, uh, uh, you might as well use uh, some Azure storage or uh, other platforms that do this better. Uh, because content, uh, the content that we are uh, focusing on is uh, mostly in a text form. Yeah. Um, the headless CMS, or I don't know about other vendors, but uh, our headless CMS is built for efficiency and collaboration uh, in workflows. So if, if you put a PDF there, or if you put a Word document there, it can work like that. But uh, the headless CMS, uh, or one of its purpose, is actually to free you of using Word documents uh, for collaboration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, So you can use directly the CMS uh, to handle your comments, to handle your tasks, to handle everything you need uh, to, to actually get the content uh, approved and then you know, convert it to a PDF. That's, that's perfectly possible. Um, so yeah, depending, do you have any specific uh, type of content in mind? Well, I mean, a, a lot of content now is text with images, uh, text with short video. Uh, mm. But like you mentioned, there is content that is VR generated, uh, there's now a lot of uh, content NTFs. Uh, who knows how they want to be used? Uh, you know, blockchain is involved uh, in content, uh, and who knows what type in the future? I assume that headless CMS is most efficient with kind of standard text and image content, uh, or standard size images and in, in text. But uh, that's kind of why I was asking: is are there limits? You know, if you wanted to make a whole bunch of videos and distribute large videos through a headless CMS system, is that efficient or is that something it can handle or that's not really a good application? Uh, I'm kind of thinking of it in those terms for content. 
Right, yeah, I would say it's not a, it's not a best case because uh, the headless CMS is not the best source for everything, yeah? Uh, it's not a digital asset management. Uh, there are much better systems that are better suited for digital asset management that you can integrate into your headless CMS um, and you can let editors work on content items and select items from the digital asset management. The same goes for uh, e-commerce, yeah? We have a great yeah. platforms that do very well uh, e-commerce scenarios. And in those cases, you might want to have the products there. And in content, uh, you want to just work on marketing uh, side of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you can mm -hmm. uh, integrate the e-commerce platform into your headless CMS uh, so that you can work on, uh, on it efficiently. Uh, so I would say it depends on the type of content. But as you said, the, the, the images, the texts uh, and, and other things, that's a, a totally standard case for working mm -hmm. uh, with content in headless CMS. The content strategy and the modeling of the content and, and the type of content you're going to do and when you're going to do it and the content flows, it seems to me that that's a really critical thing that you kind of need to know before you start dealing with a headless CMS system. Is that correct? Uh, and, and if so, how would you advise somebody to go about coming up with a content modeling or content architecture for headless CMS. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree with what you said, um, If especially if you're a large organization. Um, uh, in those cases, you probably know uh, what you want. Uh, you already have the processes in place, uh, so you're not starting from zero. Uh, in those cases, uh, when you're interested in content modeling, uh, we have uh, content modeling courses. So we have a lot of content modeling uh, content on our blog. So that could be a nice starting point. Um, and there are uh, other courses online, you know, for free that you can you can look at that will actually help you in your path towards uh, the the best content model. Uh, from my experience, that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of work to get it uh, uh, to a state that you would be happy with, essentially, um, because there are multiple uh, roles connecting, uh, and you have to work with all of them to make sure that the content editing experience is is best. And uh, one of the biggest problems of the past um, that, that I experienced is when uh, the developers are actually building the content model. Because in the past, it used to be like that. The developers were installing the systems and were creating templates for data that the editors had to work with. But these days, mm -hmm. uh, that approach doesn't really work because developers mm -hmm. uh, work very uh, technically and uh, they see the structure of content in a totally different way then what makes sense for editors, yeah? So mm -hmm. getting the fine-tuned content model requires actually a lot of work. Um, and uh, um, yeah, uh, there are content modeling experts. I'm, I'm actually not one of them. So <laughs> I would, mm -hmm. uh, I would uh, advise everyone to, uh, to start there. Um, and yeah, definitely uh, assign some time for it if you want to use content efficiently. D does... Uh your content platform, does it have tools to help people do some of this content modeling? Or is it really something that's very separate outside of the headless CMS? Yeah, like uh, we have tools that allow you to implement the content model um, that mm -hmm. let you reorder the content model as you start using it. Uh, we have CLIs that uh, help developers essentially um, uh, adjust the content model as you go uh, with, with only code, yeah? Uh, that helps with migrations. Um, otherwise, if you're asking about visual tools that you know help you build uh, stuff, 
uh, then uh, we don't have have, have any, anything like that uh, because the, again there are other tools that uh, do this uh, do this much better. Uh, we internally I think use Miro, uh, which works very well uh, for these kind of scenarios. But what mm-hmm. we as a, a headless CMS vendor, because um, we're focused uh, on enterprise, um, and with uh, that focus um, comes with a comes also a great responsibility and the uh, services that you need to provide. Uh, and we also provide the, the professional services uh, for, um, uh, well, one thing for uh, developers where uh, we can train them and we can show them how to, how to use uh, the CMS to its full potential with the, uh, with the Jamstack frameworks and everything else. And we also have a content modeling uh, professional that uh, can come, uh, come to you, look at your content needs and uh, advise you on uh, what could be changed. You mentioned enterprise and, and how the responsibilities of, of an enterprise situation and, and say an SMB, small business, small and medium mm-hmm. business may be different because their content needs are, are kind of different, but they all need to generate some kind of content flow. Uh, some of it may be large, some of it may be small, but that, that, that involves kind of a scalability aspect, you know, between a traditional CMS and a headless CMS system. Mm-hmm. Is one better for scaling up or for large scale stuff versus smaller or medium sized applications? Yeah. So um, uh, there, are, there are two things. Yeah. Uh, one thing is how the headless CMS is agile. Uh, well, the headless CMS, uh, or at least the, the 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 ones that I knew about, uh, are built for cloud. Well, those that are built for cloud. Yeah. There are still some that you can install on premise. But most of them are built for cloud. Um, they uh, are built with the scale in mind, yeah. So you can scale the application, uh, and the teams know very well how to host it, so that your editors. We're now talking about the editor experience, yeah. When they go into the app, mm-hmm. and you have a lot of editors coming in at the same time, yeah. So there's the scaling of of the app, um, and uh, uh, that's the the vendor's problem. Yeah, the vendors actually handling how the the app is running, and uh, uh, you of course have to use a database that's uh, also uh, built for speed. Um, and then there, then you have the uh, other part, and that's the delivery of content. Yeah, because then um, that's the critical part, uh, because your website always needs to be online, and the content, even if the main application goes down for whatever reason, the content always needs to be available. Yeah, because mm-hmm. otherwise your mobile app might not might stop working, your website might stop stop working, um, everything in and and that's uh, where we actually get to SLAs and uh, that's where your money lies. Yeah, um, so that's another part. And uh, uh, the headless CMS actually, apart from a normal CMS, uh, the fact that it's using the API to deliver content allows you to make this really robust. Um, we're using uh, a CDN network, uh, Fastly, that actually delivers the content into uh, all uh, of the world. And it has a lot of nodes around the world. So even if one node goes down, your content still lives on all those other nodes. And even if the main application goes down, your content delivery is still in place. Yeah, It still works uh, as if nothing changed. Of course, your editors can go into the app um, until we resolve the issue. But your uh, your life site and all of your apps are not um, uh, affected, so um, that's one of the things that uh, uh, relates to scaling. Because if you have a traffic spikes 
Um, now, you know, with the whole situation uh, in Ukraine, we see a lot of DDoS attacks. Uh, that's something that can easily take your site down. But if mm-hmm. um, the content is stored on a CDN and uh, the best case scenario, you have a Jamstack site that is on the CDN as well, then you're pretty much uh, resilient to any any of these uh, issues. Yeah, um, I also wanted to wanted to touch a bit, uh, if, if I can, on the agile side sure. of the implementation. Um, yeah. Because, uh, you know, having the content in a single place, I remember when I was working on a traditional CMSs, then we had to solve things like uh, we are we were using in a team, we're using a central database. And if you changed the you know, structure of something, uh, you had a lot of issues. Then you had to ask your colleague to merge their changes so that you can get your website up and running, you know, uh, to get the build ready uh, and so on. So uh, the headless CMS uh, actually makes your teams more agile because the content mm-hmm. is living in, a, um, uh, in cloud. And uh, of course, depending on the CMS, but content allows you to create environments. So if you want to test some feature on production, you can just create a new environment from that production. Um, and it's you know still in the cloud. And you can switch um, just the, the content source and your project to that. And you can test your changes without affecting anything. Um, and uh, you don't have to meddle with databases. You don't have to do anything. Just uh, change one project ID in your environmental file and uh, uh, work with uh, completely new types of content. Uh, and then when you're ready, you can push it and you can have it on production. So uh, I think that this uh, helps a lot uh, with the developer experience because you're not waiting two weeks for the next release until your changes uh, are live, uh, mm-hmm. but you can get them there uh, immediately. And uh, you have also a very small probability that uh, your colleague is going to be limited because you made an error. Yeah, I remember uh, when I was working for a digital agency, we had a we had uh, we had a uh, like a like a bet or something that when you broke the build, you had to buy everyone in the team a beer. So uh, we got drunk every day. Yeah, uh, and ah. it was, a, it was a, actually a big problem. So. Uh, I like to say that uh, headless CMS is actually, they may not solve the problem uh, in 100% of the time, but they definitely make you enjoy your work more and be more agile and be more effective. What What's your experience with low-code and no-code solutions and headless CMS? Uh, my experience, I don't have a hands-on experience with any of these tools uh, for one simple reason, uh, because our customers don't use them uh, you yeah. know, very often. Um, I think that, you know, because we are working mostly with large projects, uh, I don't think that the no-code uh, approach actually works there. Um, mm-hmm. And when there, w- there were uh, attempts at using no-code, it actually required a lot of configuration, even from technical roles. So mm-hmm. it didn't make sense to, to actually use that. Um, but with that being said, uh, we know that uh, there is a certain gap between uh, working on content and its visual representation on the website, right? Because editors, uh, they uh, for the, for the past fifteen years, uh, they were they were used to WordPress. We actually taught them that as developers. Yeah, we 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 gave them WYSIWYG editors where they could make the text red and in Times New Roman, and we told mm-hmm. them like go nuts and create your website, and they got used to it. Uh, they got used to seeing everything right away, and um, while we see a lot of omni-channel uh, attempts these days, and uh, the the largest projects that we have are actually targeted at different channels than web. Uh, we still see that uh, uh, pretty much all of our clients, they have websites, right? 
And the website management is one of the biggest things for any headless CMS. Uh, so we also have um, uh, have an SDK that you can uh, you know plug into your website that allows the editors to see their changes directly um, in the website frame. And um, uh, what it actually enables you, as we have it implemented on our site, is that the editor can or marketer uh, can go into the headless CMS, create a new page, and build their own page only with uh, predefined components. So we define let's say mm -hmm. twenty components. Uh, CTA buttons, uh, texts, uh, hero uh, sections, you know, um, mm -hmm. and everything. And they can come in, they can uh, give their page a URL, they can give it a name, um, they can define some other settings, uh, and they can build their page with components and see visually how the page is going to look like. So it's kind of a no-code solution, you could say, but it definitely required um, not insignificant development effort um, first. And I think that's a uh, mm -hmm. uh, very similar experience that uh, a lot of people will have on uh, enterprise level projects uh, because those projects will never work with uh, no-code solutions because for one thing, there is probably going to be a lot of configuration options. And uh, for a second, uh, not sure how the performance is going to look like, but uh, mm -hmm. the large projects, they require a, a lot of performance improvements. Um, so it, it might be an, an issue there. Um, but I haven't worked with any of uh, those no-code solutions myself, so um, I cannot say there. Um, I would like to go back to a subject that you had mentioned before, and I, I, I want to just kind of get a better understanding. You were mentioning that headless CMS uh, deals with a lot of different uh, channels. Um, can you kind of describe a little bit about what are the, the basic channels and how are they kind of different and why would enterprise be using one type of channel and small business or medium business be using different channels? Uh, like they can, they can probably all use the same channels as well. Uh, it's not that uh, small businesses would be using different channels than enterprises. Uh, what we just see is that um, typically the small and middle-sized businesses use mainly their websites. Uh, so the website is their main use case uh, that they have and everything. Um, sadly, also the content model is designed very web-centric. Yeah. Okay. Um, the enterprises, um, and I cannot talk about uh, specific projects because we have NDAs in place. Uh, but, yeah, uh, we're looking more general terms. Yeah. Uh, the, the enterprises, I've seen uh, they actually use uh, mobile apps uh, to, to deliver um, different kind of experiences. Um, they use uh, voice assistants. To, to deliver content into you know their apps, um, they use. I, I've had a client then they actually wanted to generate reports and they wanted to store history of uh, financial reports in the CMS uh, to make sure they can go back and they don't have to store PDF files, but they can generate them on demand. Um, mm -hmm. We've we've had clients that uh, wanted to power uh, content kiosks uh, from the same content they already had in the CMS. So uh, it's use cases like this. Uh, it's just uh, when you are a big enough company, then you start uh, working on these tasks. While if you're a small business, these channels are probably not that relevant for you. General kind of concepts right. of how webhooks are used? In general, they are just uh, an HTTP uh, request that travels from one system to another. Yeah. When something, uh, in reality, how it works, uh, if we're talking about the publish webhook, uh, it works in a way that you create a content item, you publish that content item as an editor, and you don't care what happens. Yeah, uh, that's that's uh, all you need to do. 
And the system actually takes that event uh, of that content item and builds an HTTP request um, with the data of the item. So you know which, which item was changed and uh, takes the data and sends it to a predefined URL. So in the, in the CMS, you can define, um, I want to react on a publish uh, event of uh, these types of items. And I want that request to be sent to a specific URL. It's, it's a total independent. So you can have uh, 10 URLs for the same event. You can have 10 events for 10 different URLs. It's perfectly fine. Um, typically, this is used in Gemstack for rebuilding of sites yeah, or rebuilding of parts of sites that you can send a message to uh, the, your hosting provider. Hey, this page changed. Um, it, you might you know, uh, remove it from cache or rebuild the whole site. There are a lot of different headless CMS systems out there. Um, mm -hmm. How would you go about, if you were in the shoes of a person evaluating headless CMS, which headless CMS systems would work for them? Are all the headless CMS systems pretty much equal or do they have differences? And if so, what are kind of the differences somebody has to look out for when choosing a headless CMS system to commit to? Uh, again, a very broad question, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and I, I, I cannot uh, uh, probably answer it with just a few sentences. Um, but I would say that there are three groups uh, of CMSs that uh, you can distinguish. Um, first of them is, well, first of all, you need to decide if you want a cloud-based or a self-hosted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, most of them these days are cloud-based uh, because of all the benefits that I was talking about earlier. Um, uh, and then, you know, there are three groups. Uh, first of them is uh, the free systems that are like Strapi, that are open source. Uh, you can get them for free. Uh, you can run them yourself uh, or you can pay someone to run them for you. Um, and uh, I guess that they make their uh, their business out of support, uh, which is which is very valid use case. Um, the second group is uh, the, uh, I would say, very developer focused. Um, or startups or um, CMSs that are very uh, price friendly for uh, newcomers into uh, the space. Yeah, uh, those could be uh, Prismic, uh, Storyblock, or or others that are very focused on um, a very uh, on your on your happy path. Yeah, it's very easy to start with them. It's very easy to build websites with them. They have starters um, for everything, and um, uh, generally you're going to be very happy with using them. Um, but it may depend. It, it depends on uh, how uh, you use the system, um, because you can grow quicker than uh, the CMS can actually support. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. or you may you may see that it works very well for you. You want uh, uh, to scale your app. You want to get more editors in. Um, you want features like the task management, for example, uh, for editors. And then the CMS can uh, be a limit of uh, what you can do with your content. Uh, and then you have enterprise solutions. Uh, that's uh, obviously us. Uh, it's contentful, it's content stack um, that uh, don't, don't only uh, support you in your content needs, but they also give you uh, all the tools around uh, for content collaboration, for, um, uh, for uh, all these you know, uh, use cases like a very good security, um, mm -hmm. for uh, the deployment, not deployment model, for uh, the data center location, for example. Yeah, some security uh, people may have a problem with, with that, that 
you want your, let's say you're in the European Union, you want to have your data stored only on the European Union soil. Um, but it's also about, if you're a really large company, it's about the isolation model. If the vendor can give you um, uh, your separate space or uh, if you're using a multi-tenant solution, because uh, I would say that all of them are, uh, are implemented that way. Um, and then, of course, uh, it depends on uh, the SDKs for your preferred prefer platform. If you're a developer, uh, it mm -hmm. depends on the integrations. Uh, if you specifically want to use, uh, let's say, one e-commerce provider, uh, you might want to check if uh, the integration with your headless CMS is there. Um, it's also about the documentation. We developers uh, don't want to learn docs, but uh, if there is a problem, we really uh, love it when the docs can be uh, uh, really easy to find and uh, uh, and helpful. Um, it's also about the security and data protection. Some of the CMSs are certified, some of them are not. Um, mm -hmm. If you're in the enterprise space, uh, certifications like ISO or, or SOC 2 are very important. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So in in terms, but um, now we're a lot on the on the enterprise side. Uh, in the end, it depends it. on what your stakeholders need and want. Yeah, it's what the developers want, what they want to work with. It's what the, the editors want in terms of features, what they want to work with, and how you can make their experience the best. Um, and it's of course about uh, the owner of the project and, and the budget as well. Yeah, because uh, obviously the best uh, uh, best service and everything is uh, with enterprise solutions, but then the price tag is uh, is also uh, relevant. Yeah, and uh, one of one of the things uh, last thing I, I say I promise I promise, uh, uh, and my personal favorite is the company culture fit. Um, like we haven't seen this uh, in the past too much. Um, but when I was uh, working as a consultant, uh, we were pitching uh, the CMS to. Um, uh, one agency or one one large company in uh, uh, in France, and one of their questions during the uh, the pitch was actually how Kentico treats its employees. Yeah, uh, and I think that nowadays it's going to be more and more relevant how the the uh, culture fit of the tools that you are using is actually fitting your company as well. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, what I what I like to show this on is uh, the support because. Uh, the, the large CMSs, they definitely need to support you 24-7. Um, mm -hmm. if, if you can't publish something on a public holiday or during Christmas or whatever, there needs to be someone that can help you with that. Um, mm -hmm. And of course, it can mean if you're not spread out uh, throughout the world, it can mean that people are working night shifts um, that are that are long uh, have working long hours and so on. Um, mm -hmm. So the, the larger companies can actually support uh, these use cases as well. Well, Andre, thank you so much for your time and uh, going into the details and answering our questions about headless CMS. Thank you very much for taking this journey with us. Join us for our next exciting exploration of technology and business in the first week of every month. Please help us by subscribing, liking, and following us on whichever platform you're listening to or watching us on. We hope you enjoyed this podcast, and please let us know any subjects or topics you would like us to discuss in our next podcast by leaving a message for us in the comment sections or sending us a Twitter DM. Till next month, please stay happy and healthy. Ooh.